Your circumstances do not surprise him. If you can just be still, you will hear him. And it's like the song, you know, all of a sudden I'm overwhelmed and all these afflictions are eclipsed by his glory. That's where you will be in the realm of the unspoken. And you're practicing in circumstances because times are going to get more difficult. And yes, the famine touched not the oil and the wine. I believe there will be famine around the earth. But what did he say? Touch not the oil and the wine. Listen to me. You have a destiny. You have, he's got a plan for you and your children. Oh, guys, I am so thankful to be here. Um, I'm carrying something right now, and I'm just, this is actually the first time I've released this publicly. Um, had a lot of backroom conversations with friends and family about what the Lord is doing right now in this hour, but it's been pressing into my heart um, the the utter importance of being able to hear him, not just in the secret place, but this is, I'm going to talk to you about the unspoken realm in the voice of the Lord. And, and some of it is because what is coming in the next three months, next three years globally, we're not going to be able to trust what we see and hear with our physical eyes or with our ears or what we're scrolling and we're seeing on social media. We're going to have to be able to lean into the trust of the Lord in this realm. We, we, we over-spiritualize the realm of the spirit. And a lot of times we think only certain people are really allowed into that realm, but we were all created to abide in him, to gaze on him, to behold him and to hear him and have knowledge of what he's doing, what he's saying, what's going on in the earth. And so part of what I'm going to share with you is actually going to really tap into your identity. And it's not just to, to encourage you in your identity. It's to prepare you. You must be prepared. Sorry. Especially as women. Women, we tend to be very intuitive naturally. We tend to have, you know, just an awareness of what is going on. But at the same time, there is more for us. We don't have to lean into just our intuition. We actually have more than intuition, but a prophetic access to intimacy with the Father that gives us divine intelligence. And we, when we think of Romans 8, 26, we think of when the Spirit is praying for us, when we don't know what to pray, we think about we pray, we're praying in tongues, right? Most of us think that's our spirit language. We're praying in tongues, but there's so much more to the groanings of the spirit or the unspoken language of the spirit than what we think. So I'm going to dive into this. We're going to talk a little bit about Elijah. We're going to talk about how God drew himself or the father drew himself close to Elijah in the time of crisis. And we're also going to connect that to where we are now. And I also want you to be thinking about family. I want you to be thinking about your kids and your grandkids and those who in your realm of influence who you're praying for and and really let the Lord kind of transition you from leaning in on a frustration or a fear-based prayer life into an, an unveiled strategic prayer life where he's taking you into like Psalm 139, 16. I've been posting on that a little bit where there is 
all of the days written in your book or in his book before one ever came to be, where you get to go into the place where you can know what's in the daily bread that day and pray in that way without fear of the future. That's going to be key. Very, very key without fear of the future. And so one thing we're going to go, if you look at the notes, um, you know, I, I, I kind of titled it, he's in the whisper. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a play on words because he actually is not whispering. He is speaking in another realm. So his voice is a breath that's coming forth in the realm of the spirit. We're going to see this with Elijah, but he wants to pull us out where it's just a whisper into it's a revelation or an unveiling. And so this is how to hear and respond to the unspoken voice of the Lord in the hour of crisis. Now, some of you may have heard me tell this story before. Um, in 2018, the Lord first gave me, like spoke to me audibly this, this word, the unspoken. In 2018, I'm in my bed, 3 a.m., and I hear like I'm like like I'm struck by the Lord in his voice. And he says one word unspoken. That's all he says. And I jolt up out of my bed. And in that moment, oh, the dog is in the room. I'm sorry. <laughs> in that moment, I am like caught up and I'm seeing this vision of an olive branch and it's burning. It's 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 almost like Moses's bush that was burning but not consumed but it was an olive branch and the the olives were burning and they were dripping oil and i began to pray in the spirit in a prophetic voice but touch not the oil and the wine but touch not the oil and the wine now if you're familiar with scripture that's from revelation where he is actually prophesying of a famine that would come but the order to the angel was but touch not the oil and the wine and so we've got these two elements the unspoken the lord's using this language and then he's showing me an olive branch that is burning but not consumed dripping oil and so he's giving me clues as to what's to come and actually the strategy not just of survival but of thriving in an hour of crisis okay and so this is important because in the in when you're in him right lana's done another whole course on in him when you're in him you are actually enveloped or enfolded into him you become one with him and so you're hidden like psalm 91 you're hidden in the secret place of the most high where the arrow that flies by day doesn't touch you right and so you're in him in this unspoken realm and in what the earth is experiencing as crisis is actually the labor pains of Romans 8, where the whole earth is groaning and longing for what? The unveiling or the manifestation of the sons of God. And then that leads into that Romans 8, 26. But when you know not what to pray, the spirit himself prays for you or through you. Wordless, unspoken, groanings, right? That's the, are you, are you following me? So you're enfolded in, in into Christ in the hour of the earth experiencing crisis when it's actually in labor pains. And he's taking you into a place where you're praying and he's praying through you in another realm 
that perfect prayer, yes, but it's also a whisper, a, a, a an, an enfolding or a drawing you into a realm that's not experiencing crisis, but is experiencing labor. Okay. So this is what, this isn't just what we get to do. This is what we were um, redeemed for in the hour that which we would live. There should be no fear because perfect love drives out all fear. Fear has to do with torment. And so this is actually us being delivered from the flesh. Uh, Galatians chapter five talks about the deeds of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. So we're delivered from the deeds of the flesh or the experience of the flesh or the reactions of the flesh to walk in the spirit in the realm of what Elijah would call the still small voice of the Lord, the whisper of the Lord is actually the Romans 8, 26 groan of the spirit where you're seated with him to get divine intelligence of how to respond, not react in the hour of crisis. Okay. That was a mouthful, right? Okay. So that was just the introduction. <laughs> so we're, we're looking at this, but this is just so important. I'm not really trying to necessarily wow you with revelation. I want to equip you because you have to be able to not just feel the excitement of this word. I know your spirit man's jumping, but it's got to penetrate deeper because what we're walking into, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm sure globally, but also especially in the United States with us approaching a time of elections, what we're about to walk into, and I do believe it's global, is going to be a three month, I believe we're already in it, honestly, a three month period of time where the Lord is charging us to be still and begin to allow ourselves to retrain the way that we pick up on what is going on around us. Instead of picking up on what's going around us, he's inviting us up to a place in a, a, that ascended place where we're retraining our senses, our intuition to, to not focus on what's in, in front of us or what is seen, but on what is unseen, not to even hear what we hear, but to listen for the unspoken realm where things are unveiled as the whole earth is laboring for the sons of God to be revealed at the end of the age. And so this is going to be important so that we can pull his will on earth as it is in heaven in an hour of crisis. And so I believe there's a three-year period there's a three month period and there's also a three year period. The Lord specifically shared with me, with us, it, at least in the United States, that this coming election really does. It, it matters. Don't get me wrong. It matters. But it doesn't matter in the sense of the direction that we're going because there's been a global shift. And we've talked about the new era, but there's been a global shift where things have been set in motion and those things are in motion. And now is the time of shaking where everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But that which the kingdom, by the way is not able to be shaken will begin to arise, but it's going to require the people of the kingdom to function as though they are of the kingdom, right? Not looking at the wind of the waves, but listening for the voice of the Lord. And so I've got here points to remember just so you can go back. I want to hit these points, but I'm really just going to flow with the Holy Spirit as I teach this. 
And so if you look at these points, I'll go over them with you. Number one, the whisper and the breath of God is in the realm of the unspoken. So if you want to attach Romans 8.26 to that, you can. That Romans 8.26 is not just a groan. It says wordless. And we don't, we don't usually take that in. It says wordless groanings. He prays through us with wordless groanings. And so that indicates when you're gripped by God and yet you have no words, he has language. And so the groan of the spirit is not without language in the realm of the spirit. It's only without language in the realm of the, 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 the realm of the flesh or the realm of what is seen by our physical eyes, what is heard by our physical ears. But in the realm of the spirit, there, there is definitely language for what he is praying. And he's inviting us into those prayers, not just to, to mindlessly pray. That is the beginning. The, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's the beginning of the spiritual reality, but it's not the end. It's an invitation. So you're going to begin to ask the Lord to give you divine intelligence or interpretation to what you're praying in the wordless realm. And you're going to learn how to listen and hear him even in the silence. And so number two, the voice of fear, intimidation, and pressure to perform will deceive and project false information. Please hear me when, when I say that. I'm going to read that again. The voice of fear, intimidation, and pressure to perform will deceive us and project false information. So we're going to be very, very careful in this season to not look at information, whether it's factual or not, as the prophetic word of the Lord. If it is fear and intimidation and pressure to perform, you will not be able to trust it. It will not be the word of the Lord. You will find the only way you're going to have peace in this season is to be seated in the realm of the spirit. And that is where perfect peace is, by the way. Number three, discerning the times and the seasons and the days to come requires we ascend and we be seated with Christ. Now, here's the thing about us being ascended. We, most of us know this. We've taught it so much over the past few years. But Ephesians 2, 6 is not where you strive to sit. It's where you are seated. And so there's an element of spiritual rest in this urgency, right? It's not a hastiness. It's not the hastiness of the hour. It's the urgency of the hour. And so this means we are seated with him. We are seated with him in heavenly realms. You don't have to strive your way there by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You have been redeemed. You have overcome. You are seated. You do not have to strive and clean up to get there. But there is an element of holiness Absolutely, there's an element of holiness and purity, but you are seated with him in heavenly places. Number four, respond, responding to hear. I don't know what I wrote there. Repositioning. I wrote repositioning. <laughs> repositioning your heart to hear amid chaos is your superpower. Okay, women, let me explain this to you. You have a superpower. 
I love my husband and the men in my life, but we have a superpower to quickly reposition our hearts and hear from the Lord and re respond without fear of the future. Proverbs 31 chapter, no, verse number five is the exactly what I'm talking about. This woman responds to the future events without fear. And so you have been given a superpower of, yes, intuition, but prophetic knowledge of God out of the place of intimacy where you can, you know that you know that you know you can trust him because he's your bridegroom. So you can quickly reposition your heart because your heart longs for intimacy in order to cast out all fear that you can stand firm in an hour of chaos because you know there is no chaos in your bridegroom. You know this because you know him. And so the superpower is intimacy and the knowledge of God and how to respond. Please remember that. Yes, she laughs without fear of the future. I love it. And I'm going to hit on that in a minute because it parallels Psalm 2, by the way. The Proverbs 31 woman parallels Psalm 2, where the father asks the son, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as, my, as your inheritance. And it says that when the nations rage, he laughs. Did you know that the Proverbs 31 woman laughs at the rage of the nations? I'm telling you, if you only understood what you have in beholding him and being seated with him, and it's so important in what's coming, because listen, my, my pastor's wife preached Sunday morning, and she said, if women ruled the world, the only problem would be we would build up so much offense and we wouldn't talk to each other. But if all men ruled the world, there would be no nothing left because they would always pull out their sword and destroy one another. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need to run together. Men and women need to run together in this because we have a superpower to be able to quench the, the uh, that I should say, we were able to quench the violence of um, the passions of our husbands and the men in our life because we have the ability to hear from him in the place of intimacy. We can laugh without fear of the future. We get that aspect of him. Okay, so 1 Kings chapter 19, 11 to 13. I'm going to read this to you, but I want you to hear this very, very prophetically right now. There's several elements that we're going to kind of swirl through in this. I want you to notice something. We talk a lot about fivefold ministry. We talk a lot about the, the new move, right? The new wineskin move. Um, these are kind of like key phrases that are being thrown out right now. Um, Elijah is a prophet. He is a prophet, an Old Testament prophet, a prophet of prophets, okay? And in this passage, Elijah has just taken out the prophets of Baal. He had a showdown. He sat back. He was chill. Let them do their thing. 
let them cut themselves, let them have all their, you know, whatever to try to call down their gods and their gods didn't move. He's even, you know, poking at them, making fun of them throughout this process. He comes, it's his time to go. He pours water. He may, he does every physical thing that would hinder fire from falling. And guess what? God moves. He pours out the fire. It consumes everything. And God is made to be known as Yahweh, the God of all creation, the, the ruler of all. And the prophets of Baal are slaughtered. The next thing we know, Elijah the prophet gets a letter from Jezebel threatening his life. And he is immediately in fear. Okay. This is a true prophet. We talk about fivefold ministry and the prophets and the apostles and all the things, but this dude knows God, hears God, has the boldness. He's moving in it. He's doing the thing. Okay. Jezebel sends him a letter. He's freaking out. He heads to the cave. He tells God to take his life. Like almost like a spirit of suicide comes over him because he's truly consumed. He truly believes he's alone. There's nobody else there with him. Like he's done. Okay. He is done. He is in the hour of crisis and in his mind, it is over. Okay. We're going there right now. So first Kings 19, I've got 11 to 13 on here. I'm going to read up just a little bit further. Um, I want you to see this point right here where he says in uh, 19 verse four, but he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came and he sat down under the juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it's enough now, Lord, take my life for I am not better than my father's. And he laid down and he slept under the juniper tree and behold, there was an angel touching him and said, arise and eat. And then he looked and behold, there was at his head bread and uh, baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank. And the angel of the Lord came and he said a second time and touched him, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Okay. So he's in this place. He has um, ate and he's drank. And there's been 40 days and 40 nights. He's in the mountain of God. And now in verse nine, he came to a cave and he lodged there. And then the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very, very zealous. And see, here he goes again. He's discouraged again. Okay. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. And the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant and tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the storm, the sword. And I alone am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand on the mountain of the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. Now, listen, this is important. I want you to think about where we are right now as a nation. All of the things that are taking place, I should say, as a globe, right? All the things are taking place. The fears that are coming out. We're, we're, we're hearing rumors of wars. We're hearing about famine that's possibly coming. We're looking at all of these, these, these things that are swirling. They are the signs of the times. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. We, we're hearing the prophets prophesy. We're hearing people that are building. Like, we've got to build the fivefold. We've got to get the fivefold in place. We're hearing people say there's a mass exodus of the church coming. Everybody's leaving the church. And then we're hearing the church say everybody that's leaving the church is in rebellion. And like, we've got all these things going on around. And some people are feeling like Elijah in this moment. And they're feeling like, 
woe is me. Everything's over. Nobody's listening. Everything's in chaos. Listen, I feel the groan of my own spirit. You know, there the, the 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 child sex trafficking, you know, all of these things are shaking and all of these things are manifesting in our earth right now. And we want to look at all of these things in massive discouragement and fear will wash over us. And so this is what God's doing. He's taking Elijah in this moment. He's fed him. He's nourished him. He's brought angels to him. Yet still Elijah can't really perceive the Lord. Now, first of all, I want you to see how the father draws near. In Elijah's crisis, the father did not leave him abandoned. He did not throw him out. He didn't say, oh, well, you're, you're no good to be my prophet anymore. The father draws near. He nourishes him. He cares for him. He feeds him. So his physical needs are important. But watch this. And so it says, verse 11, go forth and stand on the mountain before God, before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking them into pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle blowing. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came. Listen to this. He wraps his face in his mantle. There's been storms. There's been earthquakes. There's been fire. He did not tremble. He did not shake until the voice came. And he wraps his face. Do you remember Moses? He veils his face because of the glory. He wraps his face in his mantle because he heard a voice. Okay, listen to the voice. And a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, the sons of Israel, forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars. They killed your prophets. And with the sword, I alone am left. And they seek to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go and return to the wilderness to Damascus, where you've arrived, and he sends him back. So I'm going to pause right there. Most of the time we take this portion of scripture and we say he wasn't in all the things, but he was in the still small voice. He was just in the still small voice. I want you to hear me say this. That was not a teeny tiny voice. There was a lot of ruckus and a lot of commotion and a lot of things. And Elijah was not moved in the midst of those things, but God made it clear to him. I'm not in the elements. I'm not what in you see. I'm not in what you hear. I'm not what in they, what they say. I'm not in what Jezebel says. I'm not what in what you think. I am in a realm, Elijah, come up here where you can get clarity. And Elijah, when he hears the voice, that word voice is translated as the very breath of God. 
It is a breath. It was a sound. It was a sound in the realm that Elijah had to abide in to be able to face what he was stepping into. And he had to remember the mantle that he had been mantled with. And that mantle didn't just sit on his shoulders. He needed that mantle to wrap his entire head. It was very similar, I believe, in the in the the um the parallel to the helmet of salvation cover your head and listen it's the it's even like the i think about the seraphim cover your head cover your faces it's him he is here and his voice literally breaks the cedars this is a voice that is teeny tiny it's not whispering and it's not just momentary and it's not this thing. When the Lord came to me in 2018 and he rattled me out of my bed and he said the word unspoken, <laughs> it was not a whisper. It was so strong because it came from the inside of me out and made me sit up straight. You see, the unspoken voice, the realm of the unspoken is where we have to abide in the days to come. If not, we will be exactly where Elijah is, feeling alone, feeling persecuted, feeling abandoned, feeling threatened, and we will look at the fire. Listen, let's go here. Let's go here right now. Okay, Matthew 16. Let's look at this real quick. I think that's where I want to go. Hold on. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Matthew 24. Matthew 24 prophesizes the words of Jesus of the end of the age. Okay? It'll take me just a second because this was not planned. <laughs> so if you look at Matthew 24, so Matthew 24, 7, that's where it is. Matthew 24, 7, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. You will see them and not be alarmed, but these things must happen for the, the end is still to come, okay? Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all of these are the beginning of the birth pains, okay? Go back to Romans 8. The labor pains of creation all of creation is groaning for the unveiling of the sons of God. These things will take place, but do not be alarmed because these are the beginning of the labor pains. What did Elijah experience? Elijah experienced these elements, the earthquakes, the wind, the fire, all of these things. But what did God say? I was not in those things he said come up here revelation 4 come up here elijah sit with me come up here and be seated in my realm see he's going to send him back out and he's going to take his mantle that he just wrapped on his face and he's going to anoint elisha the next generation, it's not over. We're going to prepare as though it is. If we read all of uh, Matthew 24, we're going to prepare for the coming of the Lord. He's coming, but we're not going to draw back into our caves of fear. 
We are women who are whole. You're going to be mentally strong. You're going to be physically strong. You're going to be spiritually strong. You're going to know how to sit with the Lord. You're going to know how to prepare in in that um, Proverbs 31 woman. She's preparing. She gets up while it's still night. Listen, she's preparing in the dark time for the, the light that has come. She's also preparing for when there is no more light, when the darkness comes. She's living in constant, in this constant place of connection with the Lord. It's not about her physical realm. She has a, a divine intuition about her that she knows how to get up and feed and prepare. Listen, it says that she had maidservants. I believe she had the women whom she was discipling, who she was, they were, they were working together in her home. Yes, they were servants of hers, but I believe that this woman was discipling women. She was preparing to feed them in when it was still dark so that in the day her children would be taken care of. Her family would be taken care of. She could go survey a field and she was going to buy it because she laughs without fear of the future. And so we're going to live in the state of preparation, but not enter into the spirit of fear. We're going to retrain our hearts and our minds, because as you have intuition, you will pick up on everything. But you're going to retrain your heart and mind to not pick up on all the chatter of the earth, though it will be signs to come of his coming. They, it is true. It is real. It is the signs of his coming, but you're going to know that it is actually the groan of all creation for the sons and daughters of God to stand in their rightful place and pull the kingdom of heaven into the earth in the hour of crisis to anoint the next generation. Don't you ever underestimate the power of the season that you're in, if you're a young mom, pouring into your children, preparing food for them, preparing food for your husband, loving on your husband, your grandchildren, the children that are around you in church, the young ones, do not neglect or misunderstand the beauty of that season where you're wrapping your mantle around a generation, preparing them for the very thing that could be the hour at which the Lord would return. Listen, you have no idea the power that you walk in as a woman. So we're going to go back over here. And so if we look at this, the still small voice, it's not simply a whisper. It's the Lord breathing and drawing us into another realm away from the rage of the nations. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? Why do my people's plot in vain? Ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. He laughs. He laughs at the rage of the nations. This voice, this realm, this whisper, this calling is to put within you a literal joy when the rest of the world is, is literally writhing in fear and in pain. Putting, he's putting the word in your mouth to give his son his rightful inheritance through you as a mom, as a wife, as a woman, as an influencer in the nations to be able to draw in the lamb's reward of his suffering. 
do not misunderstand or neglect to understand the power of the one or two that is seated in front of you. And so if you look down, I, I, I talked about this a little bit in the notes. There's a pause as you reposition yourself to hear and operate from this realm. When the Lord begins to pause things around you, do not misunderstand what he's doing. There's going to be a holy hush that's going to wash over us. It's going to feel like everything's stopped. Do not fear, for he is repositioning your heart and your ears to be fully prepared. He's restoring Shabbat all over the world in this hour. He's restoring Shalom all over the world in this hour. He's speaking peace and safety in your soul when all of the earth is saying you are not safe. There is no peace. Listen, wars, rumors of wars, famine. Listen, famine. I told my husband this the other day. Famine will not touch us. It's the oil and the wine, but touch not the oil and the wine. We do not have to be afraid. But he literally, listen, we're talking about meat shortages right now. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And that's for his children. Now, don't get me wrong. Suffering plays a part in releasing the glory it, because it forms glory in us. It forms trust in us. Do not misunderstand me. It's the both and in this season. But he promises, I've never seen his seed forsaken. I mean, um, the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. But do we believe that? And I told my husband this other day, I believe the reason that like even Israel experienced famine is because they did not believe. They turned to idolatry. They started believing in the idols of the land over Yahweh. If we can just believe that he is who he says he is, we will not have to be afraid. And even now, like, I feel like even as I say that, like some people are like, but, 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 but we need to remove the but so that we can be where we've been called to be. He did not place us in this hour by accident. He knew what he was doing. A spiritual son of mine sent me a dream, I don't know, four years ago, three or four years ago. And he and I were in Israel and we had superpowers. And it was literally the end of the age. It was literally like all the things in the book of Revelation were happening. And he and I had these superpowers where we could literally like, we didn't have to about worry about food. We were translated in different places. We could pluck people out. We could, you know, it's like all the things, maybe of like all the Marvel movies. I don't know. All these supernatural powers. He said, but in the dream, when the powers that be came, we had to actually put on our, um, basically on a veil over us in order to hide the glory or hide the powers so that we could continue to bring salvation or bring deliverance to the people because we didn't need to be arrested. It was not yet our time, right? 
And see, I believe this is what the Lord is going to do. As, as the nations rage and plot in vain, the Lord himself raises a standard and he draws his people into a greater revelation of him. And if we believe, if we will agree with him touching anything, if we will talk about him, if we will glorify him, he drops into that conversation and into that gathering of one or two or two or more. And he begins to manifest the greatest powerful deliverance that the world has ever seen. But it doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. Sometimes it might look like just being hidden in him and two or more. It may not and probably will not look like massive platform ministry. You may have a massive, massive, mighty call in your life and never have a microphone in your hand. You were, you were born for such a time as this. You were born to bring deliverance to captives. You were born to heal the sick. You were born to raise up uh, children into the ways of the Lord so you can launch them. I believe in the days to come, all of this platform stuff is really not going to matter. I'm thankful for it because I'm able to, to talk to you right now all over the world through this the internet. But listen, this is not the main thing. Many of you watching me right now, you have the ability to step into the fullness that God has called you to, but you are waiting on someone to hand you a microphone or invite you to speak. And the Lord is saying, no, come up here. I got to show you some things because I'm going to use you in stealth mode. Did you know that the unspoken realm, have you ever noticed that God operates from hiddenness? Have you ever noticed that the angels operate from hiddenness? Have you ever noticed the Holy Spirit operates from hiddenness? Do you know what a beautiful invitation it is into the place of intercession that you can operate from hiddenness and you can literally believe God that he would use you to sh literally shift history and nations with your prayers? Hidden, hidden, the Lord himself is hidden. And these broken vessels, chew on that for just a minute. So Matthew 16, 3, this is actually a rebuke, but listen, he says in the morning, this is what the way that they are, they are determining what is taking place in the morning. You say today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. That's a rebuke. So look at Isaiah 60, 19. And think about that in connection with the sky, interpreting the signs and knowing when it's morning and when it's night. Isaiah 60, 19. Jump over there with me. This is the hope of the future. And the sun will be no more be your light by day, nor will brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and God will will be your glory. The sun shall no longer be your light. So who's your light? The sun, S-O-N. The sun is our light. The sun, Jesus, is our guide. When the fullness of time comes, those elements 
that calls us to know when it's morning and when it's evening and when the storm's coming and when the earthquake's coming and when the famine's coming and when all the things, listen, you don't have to be on the internet or on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram for more than like two minutes. And you, everybody knows when everything is coming, but how bit, how many are actually letting the sun be their light? How many can actually interpret the times and the seasons. In, in Matthew, he's rebuking them because the Messiah, the kingdom has come and it's in right in front of them, but they cannot see because they're looking at what's in front of their faces, but not what is in front of their, their heart, what their spirit. Listen, how did they understand that Jesus was with them after he had been um, resurrected? They said, did our hearts not burn? within us. They couldn't recognize because they're looking at everything else. What you feed will grow. What you starve will die. If you feed your fear, you will be full of fear. If you feed your spirit and feast on him, he's inviting us to a table in this season. If you'll feast on him, and by the way, that table is set in the presence of our enemies, you will see by the light of the sun, and you will not determine whether it's morning or evening according to what the elements or the internet <laughs> says. Listen, this is our promise. So number five, we're going to abide in prayer and we're not going to fear. I've already hit Psalm 91.5 and Proverbs 31.25. Hebrews 11 is one of my favorite chapters. Obviously, we hear it as the faith chapter, but Hebrews 11 also talks about those who did not receive their promise. It talks about the ones that were, were martyred and persecuted and sawn in two. They were the ones of whom the world was not worthy. But it also talks about where the, where the weak were made strong and they escaped the edge of the sword. They shut the mouths of lions and they put foreign armies to flight. You see, the weakness that is in us yielded fully to him when we close off all of the things that are, that are terrifying in the earth. In our weakness, we come to him. He makes us strong. And I find it amazing having just come from Wales and been where... Um, Reese Howells prayed during World War II that this portion of scripture in Hebrews 11 says that they put foreign armies to flight. Reese Howells, I'm sure during World War II, they thought that was it was over, but they prayed with divine intelligence. They heard from the Lord what to pray, how to pray, when to pray, how long to pray. And they literally saw battles like the Battle of Dunkirk and different other battles. They watched the Lord move and transition and shut down foreign armies because of prayer and intercession that was abiding in him and not in what their eyes saw. And how much more does he have for us? When we were in Wales, I was on the floor in that blue room in that place. I call it the blue room where well, well, where the intercession went forth. Emma, I think Emma Smith's on here. Emma was with us in Wales. Um, it was oh, so much wasn't Emma. So powerful. 
but in that place, like we're wailing and we're weeping and like the glory's in there. And we're like, we're, we're in the intercessions of old. Like we, it literally felt like we were with them in their intercessions. We were taking hold of the prayers that they had prayed and we were pulling them into our generation. And the Lord said this to me and I literally started trembling. He said, where they were praying for a war to end, your generation is praying for a war to begin. And I began to cry out and just make ready your bride, make ready your bride, make ready your bride. And that's what he's doing. And we're groaning and we're weeping and we're crying out in him, in that unspoken realm with the wordless prayers. God, would you move? Would you come and start a war in our generation that would bring forth the fullness of your glory and elevate your kingdom and show what is unshakable in, in, in this side of eternity? He's moving, guys, but we cannot be afraid. We cannot play, pray from the place of fear. And so at the bottom of this, I'm not really sure how far I'm in time-wise. Um, yeah, I think I'm right there. So I've got some questions for you guys. I really want you to look at this as introspection for yourself personally. Um, and I want to tell you this. I've, I'm probably going to release a podcast next week or maybe this week on the sphere thing because it's really driving me nuts to be honest like the way that people are moving uh in fear we cannot move in that spirit of fear we cannot move in that spirit of fear let me say it again we cannot move in the spirit of fear in this hour it will not work and it's bothering me it's bothering me in my spirit, in my soul. And here's the thing about it. He's delivering us up out of it. And I'm probably going to do a podcast on it because it's urgent. But there's a way that you have to know if you're functioning from fear or if you're functioning from faith, for lack of a better word, you're functioning from the spirit is by the way that you react or respond. And so we might be living in the hour of urgency but we are never to move out of haste. If you move in haste or if you move from reaction instead of response, that means you've not pulled back to listen, to wash away all the things of the earth. Listen, it's like Jesus letting Jesus come wash your feet. You sit back and you let him wash your feet and you do not move in haste in the hour of crisis. You do not move out of fear. Some indicators of fear, physiological and emotional indicators of fear can be black and white thinking, reacting versus responding, um, uh, knee-jerk reactions, hoarding is an indicator that you're moving from a spirit of fear. Go to the word. Um, when you read something or you consume something on the internet, your heart starts just beating really wildly, but not in a way of like, oh, I'm in the presence of the Lord wild or not. Oh, I'm going to groan in the spirit wild, but I got to do something wild, right? I can't breathe wild. Like we got to do something right now. Okay. We've got to be able to know the difference in the spirit of fear and the urgency to prepare. This is so incredibly important because we can respond by pausing and awaiting and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom will come in and give wisdom, but that's not where it ends. Wisdom is the beginning. You need understanding. You need the sevenfold spirit of God. 
You need the power of God, the might of the Lord. You need um, the strength of the Lord. You want to, you need to wait on him. I used to be, I listen, I can tell you, I used to be one of the most urgent people because I'm like, I'm a prophet, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, we got to go. We got to do this. We got to make this change. Like, no, no, all of that. I may be hearing, I may be seeing, but the Lord is never pushy. He's never hasty. He's never worried. He's never concerned and full of fear. He gives divine intelligence. He tells us to chew on it, wait on it. Jesus was in the earth for 30 years before he ever stepped fully into his ministry. He spent three years in it. He pours out his spirit for a bunch of people that don't have a clue what they're doing to finish the work. Okay? To do the work. He is not afraid. He's not moving out of worry and fear and concern. He knows the day that he will return. He knows when he's coming. And you're not going to be found sleeping. You're not going to be found without watching, but you're going to be found lovesick instead of in worry, concern, and haste because you're in love with him. I love Song of Solomon. I can teach that at another time. But throughout the book of Song of Solomon, I noticed that the the bride, the Shulamite, I used to think she was in haste and worry. She actually just wanted to just do what she wanted to do. And she knew where he was all along, even when he's drawing her out and she endures persecution. You can look at this later, but she knew where he was. She knew he was in his garden. She knew she he, she, he wanted her in his garden. She didn't want to get up out of her bed when he was knocking, but she finally did. So he drew her out. She knew where he was and we know that he knows where he is and we know that he's his plan is perfect we have to believe and trust that our bridegroom loves us cares for us has a plan for us and it's this is not going to take him by surprise none of it your moment you're in right now does not surprise him your circumstances do not surprise him if you can just be still, you will hear him. And it's like the song, you know, all of a sudden I'm overwhelmed and all these afflictions are eclipsed by his glory. That's where you will be in the realm of the unspoken. And you're practicing in circumstances because times are going to get more difficult. And yes, the famine touch not the oil and the wine. I believe there will be famine around the earth. But what did he say? Touch not the oil and the wine. Listen to me. You have a destiny. You have, he's got a plan for you and your children. No fearing. No fearing. Okay. All that being said, um, I'm going to pray for you guys real quick. And then I would like, if we have just a few minutes, I would like to answer some questions. If you guys have questions, uh, I know this is a lot. This was deep. Um, I'm barely scraping the surface with the unspoken um, and, and that and that voice of the Lord in that place of, of the realm of the spirit. Uh, if you have questions, I'll try to answer them. But right now, just let me pray for you in the name of Jesus. I command every spirit of fear, all the terror, all the lies of the enemy. To be silent in the name of Jesus. And I speak to your soul right now and I command it to come into alignment with the spirit of God. 
And I say to your soul, your mind, your will and emotions, go where you belong into the submission of the spirit of the Lord. You will not dictate the times and the seasons. And I say to your spirit, come up here and come into full alignment with Christ here see and know i'm speaking right now somebody's spiritual ears and eyes are going to be opened i command every other voice that is not the voice of the lord that is not the voice of your father to be silent in the name of jesus i just speak over you right now that you'll begin to bear the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness gentleness self-control and that anxiety would no longer have a hold on you i command anxiety to go right now in jesus name and i even say this i even declare this anxiety will not have a hold on the women of this generation any longer or the generation under us in the name of jesus i command that demon from hell to submit to the blood of the lamb in jesus name and to leave every single believer right now that is watching in jesus name fear get out in jesus name you will not have the first place the presence of the lord will have a fir the first place in jesus name okay right now i want you just to proclaim that over yourself take it and apply the blood to your family to your children your children are going to hear the voice of the Lord. Your grandchildren are going to hear the voice of the Lord. And I declare over you peace and safety and divine intelligence in Jesus name. Thank you for listening to this episode of Burning Messengers. You don't want to miss what's coming next week. So if you haven't subscribed, please do so wherever you listen to podcasts. And if this word touched your heart, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. To connect with Tammy, follow her on social media or visit frontlinefire.org. You don't have to burn alone.